live going. All right. All right, so I've had about like five false starts with starting this recording. Um, it's something I don't know, normally talk about, and it's uh, just kind of my origin story, like who I am, how I got started. This is totally unrehearsed, and uh, it's probably going to be a little rough, but let me kind of go back to the beginning where in 2013 I started at... You know, I was running my small video production company. It was just me at the at the time. It was a it was a buddy of mine. The two of us were we just kind of we saw in our curriculum at school that what we were learning was it just wasn't really good enough, or it was just like how do I put it? Like we were learning film theory, we were learning how to shoot, we were learning how to use the cameras, but there was never a point where we were learning how to price clients, find clients, charge clients, build contracts, anything like that in terms of like, you know, you know how to do the job, but you don't know how to make money doing the job. And so in 2013, this is a junior year of college that we just, a buddy of mine, we started a video production company, started taking clients, started trying to find clients or like, we were just kind of, you know, everything was being ripped off. We were just taking, you know, contracts that uh, we just, I don't even know if they were legally that we were just taking contracts for, you know, just copy paste things. And, um, yeah, this is totally going to be a ramble right now. And I'm trying, like, in the process of me telling this story, because I don't normally share this kind of stuff. I don't really like to talk about my past, or I feel like I'd rather be moving forward into the present. And so we just not really being able to find enough clients, we kind of stumbled on shooting weddings and shooting wedding videos. We were in the Charlottesville area, which I think has like the most weddings per capita, or the most weddings on the Eastern Seaboard, something like that. So that was a cool opportunity. And kind of moving into the wedding videography world, uh, you kind of bump elbows a lot with wedding photographers. You learn about their kind of how they do their business, how we, you know, our, how our pricing was different. And it was always kind of interesting to see how these people were able to charge so much. And the first year that we did it, uh, I I think I got like five wedding clients. And the, and I'll tell you about the very first wedding client we got. It was just actually my like sister-in-law or my aunt's aunt, aunt-in-law, step-aunt. I don't know. It was my stepmom's sister that was getting married. And I told her I'd shoot the wedding. They were looking for a wedding videographer. And then I think I spent all my money in the past on a camera. I had a little Canon 70D. Uh, and I didn't even have money for a tripod. So I just, I traded her. That was my very first gig. The first first wedding gig, I said, buy me this tripod and I'll shoot your wedding. So they bought it in advance for me. And I was able to shoot the wedding on just one camera and then fly around, uh, do a little handheld with the Canon 70D. It was kind of a little rough looking back at it. Um, but that was the, the first start. And then from there, it moved on to things, you know, charging clients $500, charging clients $1,000, but I could never really get past this kind of $2,000 mark. And and looking over at wedding photographers, like kind of bumping elbows with them, talking about their pricing, talking about their contracts, it was always like, it was, in hearing about the first time they charged, it was always interesting because they were able to charge, the first gig, they were able to charge like $2,000. And, and thinking back, being, you know, just charging for a wedding video, which takes a lot more equipment, and that, that's and that's maybe a different discussion. But it was a lot more equipment, a lot more work, um, and then and then you know barely being able to charge five hundred dollars. That was just like the stick in my side. Um, 
So that year, that first year, made fourteen thousand uh, dollars just shooting weddings. Basically, shooting weddings, getting hired freelance to shoot as a second shooter, and uh, fourteen thousand dollars is not that much. Uh, so it was. Thankfully, my wife was able to bring in the other amount of money, but um, so you know, it was like that. My first year, like playing with that dream, like could I shoot video as a career? Could I be my own freelancer? Could I run my own little production company? And uh, from the first year, I mean, you can't really make that kind of judgment on the first year of a business. You can't really expect to, you know, for the first year of a business isn't going to be that successful. And everyone was telling me in the bit, like all the unsolicited business advice you get when you're starting your own business that it was like, Oh, you know, it takes five years to be profitable. It takes, you know, Oh, you need first year, first three years don't matter. You're going to lose money. You're going to break even on the fifth year. You're going to be profitable. And that wasn't really a choice for me. Um, so I had to start looking for employment. It was like, uh, if we, we can't do five years of making, you know, $15 an hour, what's 15,000, $15, like that's like minimum wage basically. So I was like, okay, we can't do minimum wage based on, I'm having fun. I'm making videos on YouTube, but, um, I was just looking at kind of the, you know, when you're running your own business and you're looking over at the, at, at your spouse, uh, when if you decide to go into your own business, you're going into business with your spouse, whether or not they're actually in the business. So um, you have to kind of take that that risk that you kind of have to assess like what's their risk tolerance because you have a risk tolerance and that may be your personality. You can do your own business and you're, you're ready to go. That's fine with you. But um, your partner, you really have to understand what their risk tolerance is. So you may be able to live on ramen and, you know, live with six roommates and live really cheaply just to get this business off the ground. But if that's not what you and your partner decided on, then there's going to be a lot of friction and, um, and it's, it's not going to work out. So, so I had to kind of make a, you know, kind of a serious look at, uh, not, not a serious look at my marriage, but kind of look at what I was doing in my business and saying like, can I do this and still keep her happy and feel like she's being provided for, um, and that, you know, so that that was the kind of tough call. It was like, okay, I could still do video, so I got to go find a full time job. So I found a full time job. We went, we moved down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, I really cut my teeth down there. I was working for guys that I think they came from my two bosses. They came from Punked, and the other one came from Wipeout on ABC. So they just had a ton of reality TV show experience, ton of like documentary experience and I was able to kind of as the young guy there it was only five people I was the fifth guy and just being you know they were all 10 years I don't know if they're like 10 years older than me I think they're like five years older than me but they they taught me everything they taught me how to do coverage how to you know I was able to kind of see how they work with clients we I was able to touch all aspects of the business I mean except for financials and production but um, I was able to see editing shooting pre-production um, working with clients, being face to face with clients, even doing, even towards the end of working there, they started to get me more into social media strategy. So, but that, but that was my full time job. So it was having a full time job and then still being, you know, Valley Films, Jordan Anderson freelancer on the side. So I would take like weekend gigs or do like every, the occasional wedding shoot here and there. Um, and I was still kind of struggling. I was like, how do you get, you know, I, I, I've always had that dream to be freelance, but I 
but I just kept getting further into like career mode or like, get, you know, full-time videographer, video production. And that was, it was good because I was getting that experience, but it wasn't helping me on my freelance side, build clients, work with clients, um, how to create an offering, how to create these things that you really need to know. <laughs> um, because when you're working full-time and you're kind of in the agency world or you're at a production house that... There is no, you don't have to work. You don't have to, all the work is handed to you. There's no risk to it. Every day you can do the same thing. You can put in the same amount of work and effort. Um, It's not really on you to bring in the clients or to find new gigs or to find new projects. So there's, it's kind of like, that's the relaxing part. And I think that, now that I think about it, that's been a lot of, um, that's been a lot of what's gone on. Like it's been like a relaxed I've, I don't know if I've lulled myself into the last couple of years, and um, and I don't know. Like it, it, so that that was the kind of problem I was facing with freelancing. And then, uh, so finally, we moved back up here to Virginia, and finally got like a corporate job, like big boy corporate job, and I hated it. It was, I mean, it was awful. It was like I'm smiling about it now because I'm not there anymore. Um, but that also like kind of blends into. Um, kind of the downside of this year that it's been, and that's what I've been trying to struggle with. I've been trying to struggle with, I've been, I don't know, it's, it's been like, you know, so I got the big boy job and then the, the kind of idea was, okay, I'll have this corporate job and then I'll put like two years into it. I'll do that. And after I had, you know, two years of the corporate job, I'll leave. Or I was like, you know, Six months out, so eighteen months in, I'll I'll start to like really ramp up the freelance world, start to meet more clients, start to do like podcasts on the side, kind of network with some people in town. Uh, DC is a huge place for creatives. There's a ton of creative people there. Um. So yeah, and then like things just don't go the way you plan them to go. Uh, they. So, you know, I'm planning. So I think my target date was like. Okay, in two years, I'll work at this job for two years, put in my 30 days notice or whatever, and be out by. So I think the month was like September. So I think it was the, so it was going to be September 2020. That was my plan. I was like, uh, in summer, in February, in March, I'll start like tweaking the, the, the business, get the freelance business going so that I got six months to build it up. I've saved enough money here at this corporate job to do a little bit of runway. And so that way, when I leave in September, I'll just, you know, I'll have, I'll have a little bit of cushion, a little bit of momentum, a little bit of the tailwind. So going into that, I'll be good to go. Um, the wrench in everything was that it was the the job that I was at. So I don't, and this is not going to be just a rant about complaining the job it is at, but it was. You know, I was. I realized that I'm not that well built out at least maybe not that stage of my life for the corporate job for slow, you know, come from entrepreneurial world, small production companies where everyone moves fast. There's no politics. Um, and living at that job, going to that job every day, it was just uh constant. Like my brain was just telling me like, you've got to get out of here. This is, and I was doing what I was love. I was doing cinematography. I was doing video production. I was shooting and that was that was the part that fucked with me that I was doing something that I loved I was doing something that it was you know if you if you wrote down all the job descriptions that I wanted to do every day in my own business or at a job at a, at a different company it would have been that exact position 
you know, shooting, editing, lighting, playing with cameras, working with cameras, shooting interviews, shooting documentary stuff, and it was great. And uh, just the, I don't know if it was, I, I, I want to blame my boss, and it's easy to blame your boss, and it's easy just to say, like, oh, it's my boss's fault, but the, the, the goals that they were setting for me and the expectations that they have for me slowly just kind of, the goalposts kept pushing further and further and further. Um, and I just couldn't achieve it. I couldn't reach that point, or I just felt like everything I was doing was wrong, um, or I was being, I was, you know, on paper, I was doing the same thing everybody else was doing or my coworkers were doing, but never feeling like I was able to really hit that mark. And then, and then it started, then that's when it started like, that's when I started getting like, I kind of fell into a depression with that really. Like, I mean, I was coming home just, you know, I, I had not cried that much at a job ever, but I would, I would come home and I would cry sometimes or I would come home and, uh, you know, drink, uh, I would, I would drink beer. I would like, I was taking like ashwagandha. I was taking green tea. I was like, every, I was like doing everything except for like going to therapy and actually taking antidepressants and things like that. And, I'm la- and again, I'm laughing about it now because it's the only way, like, I'm not going to cry about it. Um, and so that caused a lot of friction to starting my business and that, um, and getting it back up and running. Um, and, you know, okay, I was like, okay, just keep tolerating the job, Jordan. Just keep pushing through. You know, it's January now. You're going to leave in September. You'll have some clients. And I was like, cool, March, this is going to the start of like the six month run. Um, but March never happened. And, uh, to pile on a, you know, a depressed Jordan, I then got fired from that job. And it wasn't so bad at first to like get fired from the job because I didn't have to go back to a horrible place that was, you know, that was that job. Um, but the, well, now that I think about it, the, the hardest part about leaving a job or getting fired from a job is the, uh, and I've kind of dealt with this over the last eight months that there wasn't really any kind of closure. Like and people don't really talk about this with jobs, but when you get fired from a job, they just walk you out. They escort, I got escorted out the back door. I didn't say goodbye to anybody. All these people that I had spent a year and a half with, I didn't say goodbye to anybody and say, Hey, thanks. I didn't say, Hey, it was great seeing you. You know, I wasn't going to, I was not going to like cause a, a ruckus or cause any kind of like disruption. And I just got kicked out. And I just got kicked out the back door and I, the immature response at first was like, cool, I don't have to go back there. I'm so glad. But then, and then it just started to emotionally weigh down on me. And so that's where I had to kind of, over these last eight months, kind of start from scratch, kind of say, you know, cause I had no momentum. The whole plan was to start the business in February and March and then build up until September. So having to just get totally dropped off you know, go on unemployment, go try to find a job and at the same time start a business. And then, and then I'm, you know, having that debate of, do I spend more time on my own business or do I go find another job? And hopefully it's not as bad as the old job or, you know, is it, you know, you don't want to go, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Um, and, and thinking back, you know, to when I was shooting weddings and how I wasn't really able to really make that much money. I wasn't. I was only making fourteen thousand dollars in that first year, and um, and knowing okay, again, and then also 
with your wife, with your, with your spouse, like trying to balance that risk of tolerance. So not having a job and having zero income and then having to start a business from scratch. And, it, you know, you can't just start a business from scratch and say the next day I'm going to get clients and get revenue. You have, there's like, I, I was trying to figure out who I was, who I wanted to serve, what, what my niche was, what my, what I was going to offer these people. Um, and that's where I really started to like dig into like figuring out pricing, figuring out how to, you know, how to distinguish myself, how to create something that, you know, my target audience actually wants and to set it at a price and then to figure out price targeting and figure out all these things. Um, like I, I think I've read every pricing book that I can get my hands on lately. It's, it's been my obsession for the last 18 months is learning about how to charge what you want. It's not, I'm not so much worried about the price, but just how, how do these people, you know, when I think back to the wedding photographers that I was working with, how are they able to charge $5,000, $10,000 for a wedding? Um, and I was as a wedding videographer, not able to charge more than a thousand dollars. And that's what I was, so that's what I've been trying to figure out. And I think I've come to that point where I've had a pretty good sense of it. Like I have a pretty good understanding of how to set a price now, how to have a, a nice conversation with a client to where they're excited to, you know, spend that kind of money and to know what not to say, what to say, when to say it, what, what kind of conversations, and then also kind of understand the stages of conversations that go on, um, with your clients. So I came out of that, uh, you know, getting dropped on my ass, fired to then figuring out what's going on now, like figuring out the business, uh, figuring out who I want to serve. And I made, I made a video about that a while back and, um, you know, saying I want to serve photographers. I've worked with photographers and I've worked with content creators and videographers. And the biggest problem and the biggest pebble in my shoe has always been pricing. And it's like, how do you know, because I've been there. I, the reason I was only able to get $14,000 for that year was because I just didn't know, I didn't understand pricing. I didn't understand how to build something that people were excited to pay for. And, and then, you know, I'll tell this, I'll tell this next story that I was able to, you know, the, the month before, I guess this is another part of the, before I got fired too, the month before I had just booked a deal where I was able to charge $10,000 for one project. And that, and to go from charging $14,000 for one entire year's worth of work to then just one project that only lasted a month to be able to charge $10,000 for that, that blew me away. And it was because of the pricing stuff that I learned, how to really have the right conversations, how to put together a package that people were excited about. Um, and that's where I am. And it was like, and it's kind of seeing the light right there and kind of seeing like, holy shit, like it, I didn't really do anything that different. I'm not that much better at videography or like, you know, and then kind of real and understanding that, that the price that you set for yourself, the, the things that you offer it, you know, when I, when I was early on, I thought it was all about skill. And that's why you haven't seen a video like this. That's why you haven't heard a podcast like this, because it's been about me sharing my skills and how technical I am and how much of a expert videographer I am. But it's, but now I'm having to realize it's like, oh, it's about the conversation you have. It's about the context you set. It's about the person you actually are and the relationship. That's what get your prices higher and higher. It's not so much like, oh, wow, they're a whiz, they're a technical wizard. I mean, like, on the higher echelons, when I was looking at, like, DPs that were shooting 
Nike commercials and, you know, those old guys, old 60-year-old DPs in Hollywood that were shooting, you know, they can say, they can charge whatever they want, and they can be assholes and they can be technical geniuses uh, because you're going to get the best. You're going to get the best product. You're going to get the best video. And you're, and as a production company, they're, they can tolerate that. They can say, okay, he's an asshole. We, we just like his technical skills. But when you're, when you're low on the totem pole, when you're just starting out, when you have nothing to show for, or you're just kind of, you know, you're the first year in your business, you have to start building a relationship. You have to start showing off who you are. You have to, um, you have to have, it's because pricing really is about kind of perception and confidence. That's kind of what I've learned. So if you are confident in your skills, whether or not you're the best or you're in the middle grade or you're just starting out, um, it's not so much about how good you are. It's about like how your client perceives how good you are and how much you're able to communicate that and communicate your value and communicate what you're able to, you know, what you're able to show the client and to show the work that you've done in the past. Um, yeah, cool. So yeah, that was kind of my like rise, to, I don't know, like my rise and fall. Like I've, I've been in a dark corner and I don't want to go back. And um, it makes me question a lot of things. It makes me question like, is this like, do I go back to the corporate world? Do I stay here? Uh, try to, try to, you know, make, give it a shot at freelancing, give it a shot. And then, um, and then having that debate of like, well, does the effort that I push into this direction affect the effort that I'm pushing in this, in this direction? Like if I spend all my time looking for a full-time job and pushing out resumes and getting rejected and not seeing any progress and feeling worse and worse because I'm just not getting a job in, in the corporate world, or do I spend more time pushing in the direction of I want to be a freelancer. I want to run my own business. I want to set my own prices and I want to set my own lifestyle. Cause, cause that's what, now I'm thinking about it too. The one part that I didn't really set up, cause it's not so much like the money you want to make in your business or like how much you're going to charge. It's about the lifestyle that you want to set. So you and your spouse, you and your partner, if you're you know single, just what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? And then from there working backwards and saying, Okay, if I want to live that lifestyle, how much do I need to make or how much do we need to make in order to make this work? It's not so much like I want to make $100,000. It's I want to live this life and I want to not worry. Like what are the emotional parts about it? It's almost, you know, I'm learning about uh, – I'm following this guy on August Bradley and he's – you know, I've talked about this in a, in a Notion podcast episode. I think it's coming out later. Um, but he talks about you know the higher value goals and then the measurable goals and the actual things you need to go do. So it's figuring out what lifestyle you want to live. Uh, not so much what, not a dollar amount, not, a, not anything measurable, but I want to live this life. I want to feel this. I want to wake up in the morning every day and do this and feel this emotion. I don't want to, I want to feel calm or I want to not worry about the bills or I want to be open to having a family or be able to, if I wanted to go buy a house, I can go buy a house. Kind of that, have that kind of the emotional security things. And then you go down and say, okay, how much, how much money do I need to actually set that lifestyle? How much do I need to like, hit that goal, hit that emotional goal. And then once you've set that goal, go down one one more step and start to figure out what you, exactly you need to do. Do you need to sell a product? Do you need to sell a service? Do you need to freelance? Do you need to go get a real job? Um, a real job. Yeah, whatever. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll kind of end the episode here. Uh, it's a little bit of a rant, and I'm going to get better and better at like telling, telling the story. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Okay, episode's over, 
Before you swipe away, I have two things for you to check out. Okay, maybe three, but just kind of stick with me. Number one is my daily email for photographers. Each day I'm sending out short, actionable lessons on how to improve the business side of your photography business. You'll learn about marketing, strategy, pricing your work, and so much more. Sign up for the first five lessons on jordanpanderson.com. It's my name with .com. It's, it's pretty easy to remember. Number two, and this is a big one, I'm offering one-on-one coaching for photographers who are looking to accelerate their business, get consistent leads, and build a brand they're proud of. Schedule a time to chat at jordanpanderson.com slash coaching. Last is number three. It's this podcast. I'm not asking you to subscribe or go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a little bit, it's a little bit overdone. But I am asking you to go back, find an episode that resonates with you, download it, and give it a listen. My name is Jordan P. Anderson. I help photographers who hate marketing, and I'll see you on the next episode.